Hello, folks. This is Ozzy again here, thanking you for tuning in to season two's On the Call, produced by The Stars Among Us. My thank you tour to those who have impacted my life in one way or another. This is my thank you card to them all. And for this third episode of season two, I introduce you to Stephen Hughes. Hello, Stephen. Hello, Ozzy. Stephen, Stephen, Stephen. <laughs> How are you? How are things up north? Ah, things up north are just, uh, whew, well, can I tell you, pretty good, in pretty good standing as far as COVID. But before we get there, uh, yes. I want to I go back a little bit into Stephen Hughes' history. We met back in 2000, I don't know, four or five through a friend. And yes. at that time, what I knew of Stephen was ballroom dancer. Yes. Award-winning ballroom, ballroom and Latin dancer, correct? correct. Yes, I, I did all the different styles of dance. So tell me, how did that begin in short form, where you danced? Because, uh, you know, at that time, it, for me, it was like dancing with the stars was the thing. Yes, no? that had just that had just come about right as I was right as I was retiring. Dancing with the Stars was starting, uh-huh. and that was happening in California. And then you yes. had studios and stuff. So talk to me a little bit about that. So, um, well, my background is theater, and I had produced a show that needed ballroom dancing, and I did not know how to do ballroom dancing, and I was the choreographer. So I hired ballroom dancers to play the roles of the ballroom dancers. The show is Stephen Sondheim's Follies. And they turned around, the people that I hired to do the ballroom dancing, they turned around and said, hey, you could do ballroom dancing. You could teach and it's a good career. And I was like, hey, I got nothing else going on after this show closes, so why not? And that's how I started doing ballroom and Latin dancing. And within, within two years, I opened my first studio and then I took a professional partner and we competed in the American Smooth category around the country. And then I opened another studio and a small cafe and got very busy with running those two, three businesses. And I basically needed to not do professional partner dancing because it was, it's a very costly uh, endeavor. A lot of expenses and not a lot of reward. You, go to a few competitions and win a little bit of money here and there, but it's it's more for the prestige and for the the pushing your own self to get better in that form. And that's how I got into ballroom dancing. And basically after opening my second studio in the cafe, I met the person who you met, mm-hmm. who introduced us. Mm-hmm. And I met him in New York. That was shortly after 9-11. And he moved to California, but shortly after we were there in California for maybe a year we decided we both wanted to be back in New York so I sold everything and we trekked our butts across the country and landed ourselves uh, fairly close to where you are and that's why we used to go to the Westway Diner every morning for breakfast and that's how you ran into him right (laughs) wow (laughs) I was going to get out of ballroom dancing and get back into theater and combine my theater credentials which I was an equity actor at that point and do strictly ballroom was being rumored to come to Broadway Baz Luhrmann had been 
rumored and there was talk of it happening. But uh, so I thought, well, I'll get to New York and be there and ready to get in that show. But unfortunately, he did not bring the show to New York. He ended up doing it in Australia. And um, I did a few auditions for a few shows, but I just didn't have the passion for doing jump splits and the crazy stuff that Susan Stroman musicals require. And I'm like, you know what, I'm, that's not me anymore. I really just wanted to bring ballroom and Latin dancing to Broadway. That was my hope, but it didn't happen. And so I ended up back in the ballroom world by um, crazy sort of connections. I ended up performing and teaching on Crystal Cruise Lines and I traveled around the world doing that and then kept landing back in New York, but ended up running some of the bigger studios in New York City for a few years. And till I finally was like, I'm done with ballroom dancing, I'm finished, I can't keep doing this. I have, I have other things I wanna do in life. And so that's when I decided to create the dog walking company. <laughs> yes, one of my biggest initially frightening experiences that turned out to be the most loving experience was when once you had to go away and I walked one of your dogs was uh, to you was oh, uh, yeah. a little baby but to me yeah. was was a, was a was a pit bull yes and yes I, I remember this and my fright of pit bulls <laughs> I had to quell that in order to do this or was it for how many days um, yeah, I I recall you you covering. I think it was in Hell's Kitchen, right? There was yes. a, one of our pups was in Hell's Kitchen. Pups, you call that when I they're all, they were all pups. The pup, all pups. I was like, us. oh my lord! But you know, in walking that pup, uh, I was afraid that the dog would would pick up my fear. So I had to yes. really work on myself in order to work. Yes, on it's true. After, after a while, I grew to know my neighborhood, mm -hmm. walking the dog, um, seeing things from a different perspective. It's really amazing. And yeah. I really love that dog. Um, it was a very ama an amazing experience. And yes. I'm not really a dog person, you know what I mean? Right. <laughs> I recall. I recall it was it was a good learning experience for you, and it and it was and it went well. I mean, you guys really bonded. I mean, you know, dogs are amazing, and you know that company was a fun company until it got to be too big, mm -hmm. and then it was just too many clients, too many dog walkers, a lot of things to try to juggle. So what I was, was happy too. What was the best to. thing about that about that that? business that particular business what was the best well it made a, it made very good money it was a very profitable business right out the gate mm. um it didn't take a lot to get it up and running uh at the time it was pre um app you know app services there weren't any app services that existed so mine was one of the first sort of larger companies that took advantage of gps tracking mm. and um it was fun i mean we played with dogs all day long and it, most of them were very pleasant and fun and a great time, but it did, it got to be a little bit too stressful. At the end, I had about 15 employees and I was a little too invested in the dogs. Mm -hmm. And if there was any kind of mess ups on the route, I, it just took its emotional toll on me. So mm -hmm. I was happy when somebody offered to buy that company from me mm -hmm. and 
I moved on. And then you're involved also in event planning and design. Yeah, so I've always had event. I've always had an event company in the background because I'm constantly called upon to do different events and fundraisers. And I think I even put together an expo for you. I remember we did an yeah. expo at the um, Java Center. I put together yeah. an expo booth for you, and that was yeah. a lot of fun. Yeah. So I, you know, I've always had that event company in the background. What was some I of the know. events? What, well, we did like? we did one called Dancing with the Stews. And that was the flight attendants that we paired with professional ballroom dancers to raise money for a school in Africa. <laughs> and that was live streamed. We did a, um, a five camera live stream on that because all the flight attendants were all around the world. So we didn't, we did it up at the um, JCC uh, Upper West Side. So it was a small venue, uh, about 300 people in the auditorium, but then we had it streamed the same way the Dancing with the Stars event. We had five cameras on it and did all the interviews and all the kind of behind the scenes stories and watched the flight attendants go from not being able to dance at all to performing these crazy routines. Mm -hmm. So that was one of the events. Um, oh, I did lots of little, you know, dinner dance type things, you know, dinner dance events, couple weddings. The other part of you is that you have been coaching Yes, the life coaching part. Yes. So after I moved to New York and was trying to sort of move away from ballroom dancing, a friend of mine in California got me started with understanding and learning about a program or a, a tool called the Enneagram, which is basically a personality mapping tool. And understanding a little bit about how personalities work and understanding how my personality was working and sort of the way that, you know, my type goes through the world and what I bring to the world and some of the traps that I might end up falling into uh, based upon my personality. And so I studied this for several years and started to take on some clients in New York, which I thought that that was going to be my sort of natural progression out of after ballroom dancing, I would go strongly into just um, direct coaching people but in the world of of you know coaching life coaching and when you're talking about energetic sort of the energetic realm our personalities draw certain things to us in order to bring our gifts to the people who are drawn to us and I I maybe because I'm so sort of positive and optimistic and kind of always sort of forward moving what I love I about up, you yeah, but I ended up attracting a lot of very depressed people, mm. like suicidally depressed. Wow. And, you know, of course, it was the, the lesson for me was to learn patience and to be able to go into those dark places. And but I realized I didn't want to do that eight hours a day. Right. And so I quickly determined that this was not going to be the venue that I was going to be moving into in terms of my path of uh a job or you know a sort of a daily routine i still you know i'm happy to coach people and i do have a few people that i coach regularly but it's more about business it's more about growing their business finding blocks in their lives that are keeping them from being successful and these kinds of things it, the, the depression stuff and the even though i'm very good at working through some of those things with people it's a lot of responsibility and and people who are at that level in their lives they were wanting to substitute my coachings for therapy and 
psychiatry and I'm like you know what that's probably not a good idea (laughs) you need to keep going keep doing what you're doing and maybe supplement with the coaching let me ask you something what would be the name of your autobiography oh my gosh what would be the name of my autobiography um I don't I mean I have certainly done a lot of things (laughs) I would say (laughs) around the world back and through okay <laughs> like, <I don't> <laughs> okay <laughs> okay <laughs> partly because i have traveled all over the world and yes. i have been through so much um yes. but you know i don't know i i recently had a, a was <laughs> here in florida i was running a restaurant briefly mm-hmm. and uh, trying to get them open uh during this covid time mm-hmm. and i had this one employee that i was that had been working at the restaurant before and I reached out to her and she had taken a job in a pawn shop. And I was like, wow, that is like from a sort of a high-end restaurant to a pawn. I said, from from prawns to pawns. (laughs) (laughs) I was like, that would be the perfect autobiography. But that definitely, you know, it doesn't fit mine exactly. something in this crazy time that we are in. Yes. What has been an upside for you? Because there are a lot of downsides. What has been an upside? The upsides is certainly recognizing our human limitations and becoming more aware of our vulnerabilities and and being more present to what's happening today because we the tomorrow is so uncertain mm-hmm. that you know trying to really just be very present to what you can accomplish from day to day because really there's just just so much every day it seems like there's something new thrown at us and you know trying not to lose sight of where we've been and where we can get to again Mm -hmm. but we got to deal with what's going on today first Mm -hmm. any particular thing that You've learned about yourself during this time? I've learned that my patience, I'm a very patient person. Yes, you are. And I have learned that that is not always the best thing because we don't always have so much time Mm -hmm. to just be patient. Mm -hmm. And so it's not that I'm impatient, but what I've realized is patience only goes so far we can't keep we can't keep holding space and putting off things um, based upon someone else's issues hoping that they're going to come around or hoping things are going to move forward in a way or you know keeping our fingers crossed that we can slowly keep moving the the needle in the right direction that sometimes it's better just to cut and run and go in a different direction i think I think one thing I learned, I've learned over the years is fail fast. I, I have very rarely failed fast. Like I tend to want to go and go and, and then you push through and you can make successes out of things that seemed that might've been failures. They take a lot of effort and it can take up a lot of time. And failing fast is actually a better choice because hey, if it doesn't work out, it's, if it's taking up too much time and energy and there's not enough reward for that, just move on to something else it's not the end of the world and that's something I've been kind of realizing more and more during these times is that people who can't make the moves you've got to just move on without them 
you know, if they're not willing to come along on the ride, it's better to just cut them loose and go forward. Go forward without the, the without the drag, you know. I could see where that fits in uh, in this uh, political realm as well. Yes, yes. You know, there's a lot of like, oh, I really hope that this, these people will come around and start to see the errors of this administration and how it's, you know, how it's so divisive and unhealthy and blah, blah, blah. But you know what? You can only spend so much time trying to get people on that page. And then at some point, you just got to say, you know what? This is this is something you're going to have to figure out on your own. Right. <laughs> but, Right. I can't keep, you know, holding space for you to, to get there. I, I will be there. I will always care for you or whoever these people are, some of them. But you gotta, at some point, just understand that it's so not productive. What business in your area would you like to shout out to or uh, that needs the help? You know, any restaurant that is doing a good job and, and having the social distancing and having put all the precautions in place, and still able to operate and you know somehow pay their rent which i have no idea how some of these places have been able to do that i say that's you know we need to try to support them like order our takeout food if we if our favorite restaurant you know we want that restaurant to be there after all this nonsense is done we got to keep supporting them and supporting the people who work there i mean you know there's a big they've taken in some cases pay cuts to go and work Mm -hmm. at these restaurants. Florida's having such a bad time of it because people here are not compliant and they're not really taking it serious enough. So there's still, we're getting a lot of infection rates and, you know, there's that part of it. But I do feel like down here, everybody is more spaced out in general. Like we're not right on top of each other. It gives a sense of feeling like you're a little bit more isolated. Whereas in New York, just walking out the door, you're, you're on top of people. Right. Hmm. So, would you would you consider coming back to New York at any point? Um, I I will not go back to New York before there's something to go back there for. Right. So, meaning like, I will be the first person on a plane when there's an opportunity to see theater and to support theater again. That's um, yes. Yeah, and I and you know I miss the restaurants, my favorite restaurants in New York, and I wish I could be more supportive to those businesses. But um, you know, I have a lot of concerns for New York, given the business, the way business is, has shifted now that people are are doing a lot of remote work, right. and a lot of these large companies that occupied a lot of office space in New York yeah. are no longer going to be doing that. Yeah. So there's there's a lot of residual um, businesses that are going to suffer as a result of people not being in office cubicles and not working in these office right. um, metropolitans. So, right. yeah, but I would, I would go, I would go back if there was theater. I say, I definitely, I will always be there for theater. Well, one thing I have to say to you, Mr. Stephen Hughes, is that yeah. is thank you for being in my life since we've met. You well, have it's, one of a handful <laughs> of friends who have been there for me wholly and solely and I love you so much and I miss you and um, I'm just so happy that you're on this call with me I really 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 am well me too you know you have been a great a great person in my life too you always have like the sense of sort of 
you know, I think it maybe it comes from acting, but you know, people who are observers of life, mm. we have the abilities to, you know, we all have our shit that we have to go through and we all have things that affect us personally, mm -hmm. but we also have the ability to stand back and look at it from a distance and watch the scenes unfold and recognize that, you know, these things are all a part of, you know, life's journey and our abilities to record them and share them and, you know, write them down into books that will help other people have a richer experience of life because not everybody has the opportunities that we've had to experience the many, many, many things that we've experienced just living in New York City or just being a part of, you know, the crazy environments that we've been a part of. A lot of people, it's, I think it's hard be, for people like us who have done so much, it's hard for us to s imagine someone who never leaves their hometown or doesn't, you know, travel, venture very far from, from the farm, so to speak. Mm -hmm. And, you know, there's, it's through our experience that we can help color and and I don't know grow the general minds mindscape of humanity mm -hmm. to other possibilities and other cultures mm -hmm. and you have you come from another culture and that's like I'm so grateful to have the people in my life who are not just all from you know place. the same background the same place the same childhood the same experience what a boring life. What a boring world it would be, huh? Well, <laughs> <laughs> yes. if that were the case. I mean, thank yes, God probably. with some color in all its probably, variations. Probably. Probably. I think, you know, I mean, that's the thing about my personality is I, I definitely was bored. <laughs> I, was like, <laughs> I was like, you know what? One business is not enough. I need to have. And that's what I love about you. I just, your energy, the way that you, you think, the way that you are, the way the calming. Uh, presence that you've had, that you've shown me back in the day when things for me were so volatile, um, is what I love about you and uh, that I miss having around me, but at least there's a phone. Thank you very much for being on this call and thank you folks for spending your time, your very valuable time with us today. Please care and share and remember, when you're on your beat, stay on the sunny, sunny side of the street safely Stephen <laughs> we will speak soon we will and hopefully either you'll be coming to visit or I've got to get back up to New York actually for some things so hopefully it'll be soon yay yay thank you so <laughs> All right. much alright love you hon thanks love for the you. call love you you're welcome bye bye, bye.